0: 94.7 Kumu Kokua. Because Kumu cares.
1: This is where we talk with Hawaii's leaders about the issues that you care about. And this morning, we are focusing on the Honolulu mayoral race. The general elections coming up November 3rd and Honolulu's choice for the next mayor will have a profound effect on the future of Hawaii's most populous city and county.
2: Now, we're going to be interviewing the two mayoral candidates on separate consecutive days. Uh, tomorrow, Keith Amamiya will be here. Uh, today, we kick things off with mr rick blangiardi good morning
0: sir good morning good morning how are you folks Thank you for
2: joining us. Yes, we really appreciate you. So, do we call you Mr. Blangiardi? Do we call you Rick? No, you got to
0: call me me Rick. (laughs) Okay, just check it. Just check Uh, it. I'll be happy if you call me Rick, actually. That's good. I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) All
2: right, so uh, because our time is very limited today, uh, we're going to review the format to try to make it easy for our audience to follow, uh, while also ensuring many key topics get addressed and both candidates get equitable opportunity to speak.
1: Now, also, this won't be a debate, so instead, on separate days, the candidates will... We'll get the same seven questions from us, which were formed with input from our 94.7 Kumu listeners. Also, each candidate will get two
2: unique questions targeted for them from our listeners. And for each question, there'll be a maximum of two minutes to respond. Uh, We'll keep track with a stopwatch, which I have here on my phone. I do as well. Uh, (laughs) And to keep it fair, we'll remind the candidates when time is close to running out. So uh, Rick, we'll do one minute and then we'll do 30 seconds. Okay.
0: True. Well, that presupposes I might take all two minutes. I may not. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I if your
2: answer goes yes, that, that's totally fine. <laughs>
0: don't no, don't no, feel no, like you I, have to make I, the whole two you minutes. Know what? This, is, this is live radio, and you know I've had enough experience that I would never <laughs> do that. <to> you.
1: <laughs> we that's gotcha. what we're counting on. We're counting on it. <laughs> we got gotcha. you. All right. So, without further ado, let's get right into it. So, all right. So, we'll start with question. Number one. And uh, you will have two minutes to respond. Uh, Rick, what are your qualifications to lead this city? And why do you think you should be Honolulu's next mayor? For openers, you have two minutes.
0: Well, it's been a lifetime of work, and my qualifications really stem from a couple of places. I think, first and foremost, you have to love what you do. You have to also love where you live. My decision to run for for mayor had so much to do with my love of this place. Now, having said that, from early back in 1965, when I came to University of Hawaii to attend the, attend, attend the university and play football, I've always risen to leadership positions. Captain of the football team, I went on, I was coaching, was associate football coach, I then got into media, because I wasn't making any money. My baby was coming, and I decided to reinvent myself and stay in Hawaii and not take a mainland coaching job and started in television. And I worked through the ranks in broadcast for the last 43 years, and I've always been in senior positions. And for 13 years, I was gone from here, from 89 to 02. And in those times, I ran major market television stations. I was president of two national broadcast companies. I worked at CBS in New York and so on. And I came back in 2002 for the last 18 years, coming back initially to run KH one and KGMB, went through all of that, went through a sale, 2008 happened, that triggered the formation of Hawaii News Now. My body of work has been there. My body of work has been there. I've I've had senior leadership positions, and when you're in the number one position, that is very different than any other position you hold in an organization, and I've been in those number one positions for a long time. Add to that... My community outreach, the work I've done, has also been in leadership positions. So the long and the short is that I've worked my whole life. I've served Hawaii as best I can. I've been in those positions. People have encouraged me to do this before. I never saw this chapter coming. I made this decision (laughs) pre-COVID. I'm very glad that I did. My life's work, who I am, and all of my experiences, I think, qualified me very well for this job.
1: Thank you very much, Rick. Appreciate that response.
2: That was 147. Good man. (laughs) Awesome. very aware of the time uh, is that is that uncomfortable for you if, if we're calling out one minute 30 seconds are you okay no I'm okay, I'm
0: okay with that no okay. yeah I want to pace it I mean, just you just asked me about my whole life in two minutes right? <laughs> <laughs> it's Just like you know, 8 o'clock in the morning you're, you're like you, you know, know I'm okay. older
2: right I don't uh, I'm just yeah, not yeah, yeah okay, no, <laughs> <I'm> okay. <laughs> all right uh, Rick your next question uh, once again 94.7 Kumu Kumu Koku. we're talking about Miro, we're talking with excuse me mayoral candidate Rick Blangiardi uh Rick, if you're elected, uh, of Honolulu's many issues and problems, which three to five of them will get your highest or first priority and why? You've got two minutes, starting now.
0: Okay. Well, look, you know, right now, first and foremost, it's going to be about the team we put in place. We've already begun to discuss that. I've talked about that throughout. Any success I've had has always been predicated on my ability and good fortune to surround myself with extraordinary people. I take great pride in that. But from the standpoint of operational where the expectations are, we're going to be facing a budget as soon as we walk in the back half of 21. You can't go through all these months of a pandemic. We're going to have to look at that because as you may or may not know we have to present the 22 budget in only 60 days. There'll be that. There is the fact that the Department of Planning and Permitting, which will not be fixed right away, has been broken. There was an audit done in 19. Those findings are right there. There's a blueprint on what needs to happen not much has been done we're going to begin working on that, but if I were to take it to the top three operationally clearly a continuation of public health and safety will be top of mind. everything and anything now has been redefined by covid so our economic recovery and everything that we can do to fast track projects or get things going is going to be One important minute. and then I think also um, If I could just say it, we're going to have to try to maximize our funding opportunities without raising taxes. And, you know, that's probably why I want to look at the budget, because we're going to have to live within our means. I don't plan to put anybody out in the street, but clearly we're going to have to trim expenses. And we're we're going to do that in a very prudent way. But at the end of the day, right now, we're going to need a lot more money for our people as individuals, for our small businesses to keep them from foreclosing, and everything else we can do to mitigate the tremendous economic impact. that is adversely affected affected our businesses and our people I, that's what i anticipate that's what we'll stay focused on i think the COVID 19 from the time that i announced that I' going to run for mayor to what's happened today has completely redefined the role of our mayor on a going forward basis for years to come thank you
2: okay
1: Wow, 1 minute 53. i just amused because, you know, he's worked in broadcast, so he knows uh, how to yeah. kind of self-regulate timing <laughs> that way. It's interesting.
2: <laughs> there you go. And the correct pace, too, right. to make sure he gets yeah, it in time. I know, right.
0: Why wow. okay. the content, though, you two. Listen, yes. the No, the content. Uh, yeah, no, I've tried to prove right. the clock with good content. I right? know. it's it's, it's
2: quite impressive. But, you know, you had to do that piece All on right. air every night where you, you know. You do your thing. uh, Yeah, but you know
0: what? Here's the deal, though. I was the general manager. I gave myself latitude. We said we're going to go 60 seconds. And if we're going to go 68, I would say it's 68. That's the way it's going to be today.
2: Don't be cutting it off, man.
0: All right. Sure, sure. No, they were they were putting me on. They were putting me on mute. I can promise uh, <laughs> you.
1: Uh, question number three. We're going to discuss some specific issues now, starting with the coronavirus pandemic, which you started to allude to. Uh, experts say the disease and the economic fallout could still take years. What would you do to lead Honolulu's recovery? You have two minutes.
0: Well, let me give you a perspective. In 2008, which had nothing to do with COVID, but it was a global recession. It was done through the financial markets. In Honolulu, we lost 1,600 businesses, and it brought this city to its knees, unlike anything I'd ever seen in my business life and even personal life since 1965. It was crippling. It took seven years to clear the bar. If you listen to The Economist, we didn't get back to even – this is what robust – robust tourism, and record-breaking unemployment year after year, still seven years. So as I just said a few moments ago, COVID-19 is redefine the role of mayor. We're going to have to continue to draw on resources, continue to try to mitigate people from leaving. You know, the University of Hawaii Economic Report projected as many as 25 to 35,000 people could leave our state Mm -hmm. next year because of no work. We have never seen an exodus like that. One of the first things I want to be able to do is to try to prevent that from happening. We also have to provide rent relief programs and there's some good possibilities right now using CARES Act's money that have not been incurred yet to that very point to help One minute landlords, because there's been a lot of forbearance that's gone on. People have all tried to help each other, but at the end of the day, bills do have to be paid. So a lot of this is going to be economically driven in the beginning on what we can possibly do. As I said earlier, deploying Mm -hmm. monies we already have, received $387 million, getting additional funds. Uh, and anything and everything else we can do to try to get our lives back. But this is not going to be a short-term recovery. We have to accept the fact that the disease is here. We're going to have to start living through it. 30 work seconds? hard to get our lives back to normal. So I'm going to make every effort right now going in to have people around me and anything else we can possibly do to serve the people of the city and county of Portland. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Okay, thank you very much, Rick. Once again, we're here with uh, Rick Blangiardi on Kumo Kokua, and we are having the mural candidates here in a forum answering questions from you and from us. All right, uh, Rick, let's talk rail. Uh, It feels like one financial crisis after another on that one. Uh, Now we got a budget shortfall of more than $1 billion, which is projected for construction. There'll be operating costs as well. Uh, Can this project ever be made successful in the public's eyes and how?
0: Yeah, you want me to answer that question in two minutes, okay? I sorry. I watched the out I Are we on? Let's go. I mean, to answer that question in two minutes is an impossibility, okay. especially when you're on the outside. Anything and everything I might say will be speculative. To the best of our ability, I can only tell you about the meetings that I know and everything that we've witnessed right now with respect to the mayor pulling out of the P3, you know, making mm-hmm. statements and assertions last week the city no longer has the money. We already know there's more than a half-billion-dollar projected shortfall just on GDT which was earmarked for the construction of the rail project. We know that's happened. We're also in double-digit unemployment. Our sales tax revenues in general are going to be down from our own people. And their engineering costs, I, 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 I think I know enough right now to know that the capability, and they actually have built the rail really well, the capability and the technology exists to continue to build it, it's all going to be a question of finance. And it's going to be a question of money. So you've got a major piece coming up in the last four miles of the city center segment. You've pulled out of the P3. The mayor's threatened to just take the council, go directly to the FDA. One and minute. the FDA is holding held back funds from us. That's been my biggest concern. I've been on record of saying that. I care less about saying if we can't get to Albuana, if that were to happen, which is not what the mayor's declared, there's no money to complete the project. If we can't do that, I worry less about that forfeiture of funds. I'm more interested in what it takes to get the FTA to not only release the $744 million that they're holding, mm-hmm. but also additional funding. I want to believe on a civil works project of this kind, tied to also housing and community development, 30 seconds. won't let us fail. But that has to be determined on a going-forward basis. It's going to take a lot of transparency, a lot of discovery, and a lot of collaboration that right now, quite honestly, as an outsider looking in, it doesn't feel like that's what's going on. Thank you.
2: Okay. Thank you very much, Rick. Appreciate it. Thank you. Here's some more questions for you. Uh, Rick? Housing uh, that regular working people can afford without working multiple jobs feels like it's in shorter supply than ever in Honolulu. Uh, What will you do to increase affordable housing? You have two minutes.
0: Well, okay, thank you, Devin. Well, the fact is, it doesn't really feel like it. That's the reality. The reality says, if you listen to the experts and how they project, we have an affordable housing shortage of some 65,000 units projected by the year 2025. Of which, within that, more than 22, 23,000 would be affordable rentals, especially the urban core and which have not been built. So the subject of affordable housing is a lot like the subject of diversifying our economy. It's been around. I've traced it. I've tracked it. You know, I I started my own life here in 1965 when I came, but it's been around that long to take it all the way back to Governor Burns. But we're at a place now where our demographics have shifted. We know that 50 percent of our families live paycheck to paycheck. That's, you know, and it's probably going to become even more so as a result of this pandemic. And one of the real factors we're facing is, you know, people are going to leave because they can't keep a roof over their head. They just didn't have enough money and whatever. So I uh, I know, and this is not a debate, I'm not going to talk about my One opponent's minute. pre-COVID plan that I believe, and we've looked at that, was going to take years to implement. There are a lot of different projects we could look at. And I've been meeting with a number of different developers and people on ideas. I just met with Homemade the other day. I love the Bill 7 thing that Marshall Hungers done on building in the urban core on using city lands, the city controls uh, or even private lands that require government subsidy. The city controls lands and buildings or things we can do. We're in a crisis. And we're going to have to act and act quickly and take advantage of not only laws and resources we have in the books, but we have to address this housing thing because this pandemic has brought us to a place we've never been before. So that set of variables is going to trigger action in order to accommodate that in ways we haven't done. And that's what I'm prepared to do. And it's going to take a lot of different concepts, not just one plan to get us there. Thank you.
1: Thank you. We're talking with mayoral candidate Rick Blangiardi for Kumukukua. Uh, Let's talk now about police, please, sir. Uh, Nationwide, there have been many protests and calls to restructure police and funding following, you know, those tragic cases such as George Floyd and uh, Breonna Taylor. Are changes needed in the Honolulu Police Department, do you think?
0: Well, let me just say up front because I I want to be full disclosure because I'm extremely proud of the fact that early on in this campaign, to my surprise, honestly, I have got the SHOPO endorsement. And I think as mayor of the city, you know, that's one of the really important integral relationships is how does the police department interface with the mayor's office? Because job one as we, has always been. And I know this. You know this through your years as a journalist. Mm-hmm. People need to feel safe where they live. And so I will tell you that I got that endorsement. And one month later, the George Floyd incident happened. And suddenly we're looking at incidents on television, in major urban cities, uh, almost in disbelief, stuff that was even more violent, more chaotic than what I even saw going back to the rise of the 60s. A most unfortunate circumstance. But here in Honolulu, even though we had that procession of 10,000 people and understanding black lives matter, all lives matter, you know, at the end of the day right now, I am not about looking at defunding a police department that is already under-resourced. We have over 300 and some odd openings now. The last time I checked was 315 in our police department. We need to hire a number of police people, but police men and women Probably a sustainable number we could live with with 200 vacancies, but 300 plus puts a lot of pressure on a lot of things. Add to that, I talked to Chief Susan Ballard just recently. We're probably 50 detectives short. So nobody's looking to make excuses. What we need to do is take care of our people who live here. First and foremost, especially in this climate where people are going to have less the 30 threat seconds of ongoing violence. As a result of people becoming more desperate, is a very real circumstance, and we're already seeing it in some places. So I want to support the police department, but more than anything, I want the people who live here to feel safe, and we'll do everything in our power to make sure we take care of public safety. Thank you. Thank
2: you very much, Rick. Appreciate
0: it.
1: Um, Let us talk now about our homeless situation. So right here on Oahu, we have more than 4,400 homeless people, uh, according to the latest point-in-time count. And compared with the current administration, sir, what would you do differently to help them?
0: Okay, well, one of the things I want to say right up front, and I don't know how familiar you are or your audience is, but for more than a decade, going back to when Governor Neil Abercrombie was in office, You know, we turned all of our resources on the homeless situation, hoping that if we could as a media organization at Hawaii News Now, in conjunction and combination with the Star Advertiser, shine a spotlight. If we could educate the populace on this, it would empower our politicians. That didn't work. If you look at the point, point in time count you just referenced, it's been flat for eight years. It's been fluctuated by less than hundred people, and it's a bogus number. You talk to anybody in the homeless service provider uh, business, and they'll tell you that number is probably more than triple. If you look at mm. the various categories, it's a very complex problem. But if you look at the compl- if you have various categories of homeless and houseless, homeless being people who just don't have anywhere to go, houseless are people who are part of a community but no longer have their home sheltered, unsheltered, etc. There's a lot of things. There's no simple solution, but there's some real great possibilities going on. My biggest concern right now has been the the one category that has become pervasive that creates both a safety and a health risk, and that's been our chronic homeless. It's no longer contained to a small area, downtown, Chinatown, or wherever. It has become now something that people see in their neighborhoods and they don't know what to do about it. So we know that the practice of compassionate disruption has not worked. That's why that number remains a constant. But if you take it back, and let's just say it is triple, let's say it's 15,000 statewide, that is still only 1% of our population yet it is in everyone's face. To me, and I've said this before, it's a scalable problem. We're going to have to spend money to put resources we totally lack in mental health services. And I can talk about this for the seconds. next hour if you wanted me to, but I will <laughs> tell you, more than anything, More than anything, Mm -hmm. the subject of homelessness was a personal motivator for me to decide to run for mayor. We are a people who pride itself on our great aloha spirit and sense of ohana and compassion, and we need to reflect that in what we deal with. I've always liked Gandhi's quote, and I'm paraphrasing, but a society is judged by how it takes care of its most vulnerable.
2: Okay. okay. Thank you very much, Rick. Appreciate that. Once again, Rick Blangiardi joining us here on Kumo Kokua, We are talking with the mayoral candidates. Uh, now we got a couple questions from listeners. Uh, and th- these questions have not been given to the candidates. These are completely just, we pulled them off of Facebook. Mm-hmm. So uh, this one coming from Marie Streep of Honolulu. She asks, Mr. Blangiardi, why do you hide that you're a Republican? Two minutes.
0: Because I'm not. Uh, you know that's really interesting. the I'm a Republican. You know, I I said to somebody the other day, I voted for Barack Obama twice and Bill Clinton twice, and I admitted publicly that I voted for Donald Trump in 2016. Has absolutely no bearing at all on the city uh, issues that we're facing as a mayoral candidate. And I did that because job one at City Hall, and I can tell you this right now, is to get build back trust. You're not going to build back trust without being honest and transparent. So while I I could have avoided that question, I didn't. But I, but I'm not a Republican. As a broadcaster. Throughout my entire career, I needed to be an independent person because I've represented in the lead positions, not only holding the SEC license, but to a community and to all its constituents, that neutrality. I have always been that. And so if somebody is going to do this, it, not just in election season or political advertising or hosting debates, at all times... You have to be neutral. You have to be able to be fair. That's the one thing that the, everything is, everybody's learned about over the last several years, about the outcry of fake news. Local news is still highly trusted. I've always worked with local media here. And I'm very proud of the trust that Hawaii News Now built up. And in the business of broadcast, that is the holy grail. To have trust. So I have maintained being an independent voter. So I'll go back to the Trump thing. In 2016, I thought he was the best choice. I just said I voted for Bill Clinton twice. I couldn't get there with Hillary, and I certainly couldn't get there with Bernie. And I wish that Trump behaved very differently after he became president. But it's not about my being a Republican or a Democrat. This is a nonpartisan race. I'm an independent voter, and I will serve the people on all sides. And the last thing I'll say is I'm going to hire Republicans and Democrats. I'm not going to get caught up in party affiliations here they're going to be restrictive i take a lot of pride in being able to collaborate and bring people together and i'll say this in all the years and i've hired some great people working in news in this town i never once ever asked anybody if they were republican or democrat yet at the same time we always work towards and establish and build trust so that's where i come from on that issue
2: All right. Thank you very much, Rick. Appreciate it. Thank
1: you. All right. 94.7 Kumu. Uh, This is the final question, and this one is also from one of our Kumu listeners. It's Helen Wu in Makakilo. And uh, in her question, she notes that, Rick, you weren't born or raised in Hawaii, so there's a style difference, and you also have not held elective office before. Do you see these things as obstacles or pluses? You have two minutes.
0: Well, Helen... First of all, I've lived here for 55 years, you know, So, and my three children were born here. And I I have lived and in, in worked here in capacities, both in my job professionally and also in the community where I've enjoyed leadership positions, whether it's the chair of the Chamber of Commerce, chair of, well, I, I don't want to cite all the things that I've done and the recognition that I've received in return. I think for somebody who grew up in the East Coast in an Italian household, uh, with my mother being the youngest of seven or nine, actually, and then my father, the oldest of seven. We had two of my mother's family died. I thought I came to Hawaii and adjusted very well way back in 1965. So I appreciate the style. That's why I live here. That's why I love it here. Um, look, not, here, not having been in elective office, I can tell you right now, we did a major piece of research in January. One of the things I learned over the years in in running news organizations, you do market research. And I can tell you right now, in the question area where we looked at the attributes for the next mayor, knowing the mayor was going to come up, first and foremost, what people wanted was almost a primal screen, was they wanted a leader. The second thing they wanted was somebody who was trustworthy. And the third category as far as attributes was decisive. So those three qualities, leader, trustworthy, decisive. What was ranked absolutely dead last, we had over 1,200 in the sample, which from a statistics standpoint makes it significantly reliable. What was ranked dead last at over 1,246 people that we surveyed, Okay, was political experience at 2%. We are at a place in time right now where politics, this is not about politics. It's about getting the job done. So I think that my love of Hawaii, as I've said, Maybe I have a different style, but that doesn't mean I don't love this place and haven't worked here and understand this place. And at the same time, my business acumen, I think, make me a strong candidate for this moment in time. So that's what I have to offer. I'm going to give it everything that I have, both in love and know-how, into this job because that's what it's going to demand. Thank you.
2: Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you. Two minutes on the dot. <laughs> right. 94.7 <laughs> Kumu, it's
1: 834. And alas, that is all the time we have today for our Kumu Kukua interview um, because we are on a limited time. We do want to thank again, uh, once again, mayoral candidate, Rick Blangiardi, Who <laughs> kindly spoke with blistering speed I'm, for our tight timeline. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. For our listeners, uh, we will have this interview available for replay on our website, Kumu.com.
2: Yes. yes. Thank Rick, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. We really appreciate it.
0: Well, Devin, you're welcome. Esme, I really, really enjoyed it, you know. So I, I appreciate it and I I just ask all the viewers out there, all the listeners, I'm sorry, I listeners, I can't believe I said that. But if they haven't voted to so please vote. But <laughs> no matter who you vote for, please vote.